By now, I think we've all gathered that my title, Artist Grapes, is a sarcastic reflection of what people think artists do. I created the title because it seems like there's almost no safe space to be or feel or have an experience that's unpleasant. In fact, I know people have opted out of talking to me on this podcast because they're so averse to the idea of even the potential of negativity. And you know what? Those people are the people I hope are listening the most because this podcast isn't about negativity, but the freedom to go there. More than anything, it's about being honest. I know we always say in passing, you never know what somebody is going through, but this is usually in response to someone being unpleasant or straight up rude. It's something we commonly do to calm ourselves down or cope. But starting the day on a clean slate, this actually still applies. Some of the most pleasant, charming, beautiful, and warm people you know are suffering silently with no need to present a defense. They've always been respectful, insightful, smart, and even easy to like and be around. But why don't they tell us? Why don't they open up? Why don't we know what's going on? Well, we don't exactly make it easy. We fake it till we make it. We take advice from TED Talks to smile even when you're not happy. We are constantly barraging people with big dreams, big expectations out of life, and the concept that even when things are bad, think of them as good. And I know we think that this is something that's helpful, but I don't know if we're even accepting the idea that it can be harmful. What is the difference between our past generations ignoring the problem or keeping it quiet and our cover-up of negativity with positivity? Both are forms of repression and can be equally as dismissive and destructive. The point is, we definitely haven't figured it out yet. We haven't figured out how we as a society can approach unpleasant feelings and negativity. And yes, we've moved forward by talking about mental health as something that exists, but at the end of the day, we still expect people to fall in line with a smile, a good thought, a cute picture, and a happy post. I'm Amanda Levy. The episode that you're about to hear shares severe experiences of mental illness, and this is far, far, far from a gripe. It's a call for a change. Go. Who are you? What are you doing? Why are you in my house? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Miley Ramos. I'm a Filipino-American writer and mental health advocate. So, what you want to talk about is in the health category. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about uh, mental health specifically. Yeah. Okay. What do you want to say about mental health specifically? Well, I'm bipolar and I've had a number of psychosis over the years. And I'm currently stable on meds, thank God. But what I want to talk about is how it's really dangerous to consider that your mental illness helps and aids your art, especially if you're not going to get it treated. I used to have a friend who was really abusive, at least verbally and emotionally, and he would refuse to get help no matter how many times I asked him to. He believed he had cyclocomania, some sort of like lesser form of bipolar disorder, but he didn't want to get diagnosed, he didn't want to get medicine. And I told him, he thought 
that it would kill his creativity, his art. He's a very talented photographer and artist and writer, but he felt that it would deaden his art. And I was like, no, that's not true, because I've been on meds for at least seven years, sometimes on and off, and I am a lot more stable. I can focus a lot better. I don't hate myself anymore. Um, and I'm a lot more open-minded, and I feel like I could focus on my art now and writing. And even though when I showed him that, he still refused and he still would continue to become like really abusive and hurtful, no matter who it was. So I just felt like he wasn't, he didn't want to address his issues, even though it would help his relationships and maybe help him focus on his art so he could think more clearly and not go into psychotic episodes like he did with me. Yeah, he thought his depressive episodes were great. Like, it would give him fodder for his writing, and he liked being manic. Well, I do too. I like being manic because it helps me have a million ideas, okay. but I could never focus enough to, like, finish a project. Mm -hmm. I would write a bunch, but it wouldn't turn into anything much. I did had a... I did, like, kind of fell in love with my depression. Like, mm -hmm. it felt... I guess it kind of made me feel unique, and, like, these psychotic episodes where I had a psychosis made me feel, like, different, but... Not always in a good way. Like, mm -hmm. I thought... I had these strange visions and really horrible delusions, and I thought that's what made me special, which is really fucked up. Like, I shouldn't adore them or, like, idealize them mm -hmm. in such a way. It was very harmful, and I just thought, like, oh... And also another issue I had was, like, I didn't think I deserved t treatment, because, like, some people would minimize my issues and, like what told me don't talk about your problems with me and it was really harmful so I kept closed up until mm -hmm. I had a psychotic break a few times then I I had a psychosis my um sophomore year in college and it was a uh, I went on a trip and it was like really bad I failed a class it turns out I deserved an A but I just didn't hand in something so that caused a psychotic break and then like I didn't seek counseling because um a friend told me that it didn't work they weren't really good at school mm -hmm. so I just skipped it and then senior year I was under a lot of pressure to succeed I it was so bad that I knew for four years that I needed an internship to in order to graduate I never applied I never even made a resume because <laughs> I felt like I was that bad and horrible of a person that I didn't deserve one even though I'm on scholarship even though I had great grades even though I know my teachers would recommend me I mean, I guess I didn't realize it back then how great of a person I was and how good of a student I was. But still, I just it just prevented me and that depression and like I hated myself and wanted to die and it was just like so I had, went into a psychosis my senior year of uh, while in college during my last semester spring semester and that was bad so I got like I was treated in the hospital. So I thought that Everyone hated me mm -hmm. and like wanted me to die and I thought there were cameras in the smoke detector and everyone's watching me and I thought that um there was a concert that weekend and I thought I was meant to go to the concert and, and someone would shoot me in the head. It was really messed up. Um but it was I remember it was like it was February and it was snowing really hard and like I asked my parents to come get me even though there was a huge blizzard and they did thankfully because I don't know what would have happened, like if I didn't, uh, it would have been bad. I remember that my professor took me out of class to bring me to the counselor. That's how bad it was because they couldn't tell that something was wrong. And um, 
and then I wasn't then I thought my thoughts would have been fine but I still thought that people were trying to kill me and it was like uh I went to the I went home and then I begged my parents to euthanize me so they brought me to the hospital so I thought they would euthanize me there so my mom packed me a little bag and like and I thought walking in that um, all these people were being hurt because of me all the hospital patients and I remember like telling my mom and dad thank you for loving me and thank you I and I talked about I'm not cried right there I was like thank you like I never went to Paris I never fell in love and my mom and dad said like uh, we love you and I was like thank you and it was just like even thought that the sports radio was announcing where we were so people could kill us mm-hmm. yeah and um, I so I was admitted as a suicidal risk so I stayed in the hospital for a month and mm-hmm. then seeked I had inpatient group therapy and like saw a psychiatrist for a year but then they tapered me down the dosages the medicine but then I got into another psychosis in 2012 and that was a lot worse I ran away from home in the middle of the night thinking that I deserved to die um and to save my family because I thought they were dying because of me and everyone was dying so it was just really really bad yeah okay mm-hmm. well okay so um, I mean, so it sounds like most of why you're seeking help is, is really out of like desperation during these things right now. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it has to get for you. It had to get so bad to where you were like, I don't know what's going on. Like mm. in the point, in the, at the point where you're not resisting and you're seeking help. I mean, even some of your delusions are, are pointing your brain towards like, oh no, I'm not seeking help. Uh, I'm going to get euthanized right now. Like yeah. that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I think I, yeah, I can't imagine if you had thought at one point, mm-hmm. this is going to be my opus. This is going to be great. But yeah, this is, this all stems from the idea that that's like, what's going to give everybody their creativity and I think Mm -hmm. society has had a lot to say about that like we all society really invests in that story Mm -hmm. and that story that the wounded person or the injured person or the crazy person Mm -hmm. or you know the unstable person in some way shape or form is um, going to produce or has the most potential to create the best art I think I think a lot of us feed into that so Mm -hmm. this this guy you're talking about Mm -hmm. uh, specifically that's doing that um, I mean some of that is like outside force telling him like that's that's the story that's the narrative those are the pictures Mm -hmm. of the successful artists that you see when you experienced your psychotic break did you like continue writing like was it a through line did you like just never stop writing or I'm trying to think I think I was still writing there was a point when my mom told me not to write in my diary anymore because she was worried what I would take out of it like I because I would write things like thank you I thought the NBA stars were like playing in my honor or like some sort of thing so I thank you some athlete and like I thought TV shows were hosts talk show hosts were talking to me too and so I didn't try to write but um back then and 
I think I would have, because I saw so many, I feel like every medium of media was about me somehow, even comic books, even like printed graphic novels or like comic strips or like any headline, any scrolling tap thing at the bottom taper and like, yeah, it was like bad. So I didn't try to write because I didn't know what I would figure out, like how badly it would be. Mm-hmm. But I think eventually I did come back into writing. Like I think it really helped when I when I started to write about my mental illness and about my psychosis and stuff. Like I think the the second time I wrote about it was due to Summer uh, Don Reyes' um, thinking of uh, Info Color open call. Mm-hmm. So I figured like, oh, what can I write about that I want other people to know? And I thought like, oh, about being mentally ill and psychotic breaks and all that stuff. So I wrote that and submitted that and she published it and then I eventually went on to perform twice with her. Um, so it was very freeing. Like, like I could tell all my secrets, all my demons, and I might get judged for it, but overall the reception was really nice and warm and pretty loving. Um, yeah, I had people come up to me thanking me for being so open and that it would build support in the community and that they were saying how necessary I was and how brave I was and strong. And I even had one year, um, my friend came to see my show and I, I spoke openly about my mental illness and psychotic break. And he told me that he sought help because of me because of seeing that oh my god yeah and he became very vocal about his depression as well so i think because i wrote i read a lot about my psychosis on social media and facebook and i i think partly the reason why i did that was to let others know that they can speak about it too yeah like that's really important to me i've only i know only like one person one asian american woman who writes about their psychosis and she, her name is asmi waiju wang um, I don't know anyone else. I don't know anyone else who publishes about their psychoses or like goes into detail about their severe mental illness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just me and Esme so far. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure there's others. I just wish there was like, because my mom would tell me like, don't show your emotion or don't write about anything private and public. And she hates how I share like that online. But it's very. She still hates it. Um, she did see my. A monologue and she she didn't tell me but she told my cousins that it was important like she didn't tell that it was good for me um but i think she eventually accepted it but she still doesn't like me being open about it because mm-hmm. i understand like it could ha- affect my job prospects or like but i feel like it's worth it it's just to comfort someone else mm-hmm. like so it doesn't quite matter and i have a job right now so it's mm-hmm. I'm fine. You know, you know what else uh, hurts your job prospects? Oh, Keeping what? it in and having psychotic breaks. Yes! Oh my god, yes! <laughs> uh, <laughs> until it releases in a terrible, terrible, harmful way that's worse than any of us could ever imagine. I think that's yeah. probably worse for um, I try not to hold things, battle things up anymore. What is the first thing that you... I'm keeping you from your tea. Drink your tea, drink your tea. <laughs> Sorry. Um... Um, what do you remember was the first thing you wrote when you resumed writing? Well, there's, so my second psychosis, um, I guess I don't quite remember for the third psychosis, Uh but in the second psychosis, I remember there were students who would come up to me, I guess they're like nursing or psychiatrist students 
college students, like, going up to me and, like, encouraging me to write mm-hmm. and stuff. And I remember <laughs> there was this guy who had a crush on me in the mental ward. Oh, yay. Yeah. It was weird. But <laughs> it, oh, was, it was nice. Anyway, and I remember writing something down. And I thought it was really private, and I wasn't sure, and he asked to see it, and he said, like, um, everybody feels that way. Like, I was writing, I don't know the exact wording, but it was about my feelings and how trapped I feel, or something like that, along those lines. And he said, like, you don't need to hide it, you can share it, everyone feels that way. So that was really comforting. Like, I just, that thought, like, that my writing could relate to other people. Mm -hmm. Because I always felt, like, isolated and alone and, like, trapped. And so it was really nice that he would say that to me. I wonder how he's doing. (laughs) I think it's interesting that you actually said that it made you feel better that someone said everyone feels that way. Yeah. Because I feel like what what you were holding on to before was the idea that you were different. Mm, yeah. So, what exactly changed about? I mean, I mean, isn't wanting to be different so badly, or holding on to harmful things just to be different? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's related to not wanting to feel like everybody else, or find out that everyone else feels like that? Mm-hmm. I think part of me was in love with being depressed. Because it felt like, like I, well, I, I didn't know it was depression. I just thought I hated myself and was really sad and I couldn't fix it. But I think part of me came to like it, at least when I was blogging, because I was really into myself and it was a reason why not to meet other people mm-hmm. or to go out of my way for them or like, or like to shut myself up into my room and just blog and it was just really bad how open I was in that way it was very not good it wasn't healthy at all mm-hmm. um, but yeah it was what really comforted me was like going to group therapy um, after my second psychosis because like, I, I heard people saying about their sh- psychotic breaks or their b- depression and it felt like oh I'm not the only one I thought I was the only one and uh, it was really good and like people were really kind to me there and um and I was just like I'm not alone I haven't been in group therapy since I kind of wish I was or at least know someone who went to a psychotic break so I could like talk and relate to them and ask them how they dealt with it because mm-hmm. I'm I think I'm fine but you never know mm-hmm. um but yeah uh there was like one instance because they told me that I had ideas of reference and that was a relief because I didn't know there was a name for it. It was like when you think um, everything or everyone is talking about you or it's centered about you. But mm. if that's not the case. It's just a delusion. So I definitely felt that like within all three of my psychoses, ideas of reference. And it was really comforting that we all had a name. Like enough people had it that there was a name for it. And mm-hmm. that being I'm not alone really helped. Like, yeah. So it was like validating like, oh people can deal with it and like they recover and they'll be fine and so will I so what do you consider your creativity in reference to your mental illness hmm okay as it stands I feel like it's I'm not sure (laughs) Um, perfect (laughs) I feel like it was it's good in how I'm developing a language for it 
Mm-hmm. Like, I'm trying to describe the delusions because not everyone understands what I was going through or like it's yet. So no, like, I definitely didn't. Even if you had told me I had delusions, I had a psychotic breakdown, I'm bipolar, like even if you told me all of the words that you are diagnosed with Mm -hmm. or the things that you had, like even this idea, um, ideas of reference, Mm -hmm. even if you said that, there was not, that's a very black and white way of of saying it or like a textbook way, there was no color to that. And um, when I saw your piece in Newark, I was like, oh my God, like, mm. who freaking knew? Because, mm-hmm. you know, all I knew you as was like, hi, Amanda. Like, <laughs> just like, I went to your thing. Hi, how did your thing go? I mean, and I was like, oh my gosh, this girl is always just like so bubbly and so bright and like oh. soft spoken, but kind of nervous, but like just, <laughs> uh, just really into the moment and the environment and what's mm-hmm. going on and you know I knew that you wrote and I uh-huh. knew that you had done stuff but when I saw that I was just like oh oh this mm-hmm. is I I don't think I could have ever I don't think it could have ever hit me in the way that it did other than actually hearing your piece performed by you like right. there was just so much detail about mm-hmm. it there was so much like rawness in the way that you like in the way that you wrote it with the run on sentences and the way that you portrayed it like it really felt like it was re um not that it was re-happening to you in front of anybody because I would have like scooped you off the stage and had to go to the hospital. <laughs> um but there was something that was just so connected to the root of that it mm-hmm. felt like we were looking at an exposed nerve oh and I was like oh oh it was so good, and there's nothing you could have ever done besides that to really get to the bottom of it. And I mm-hmm. think other people have done stuff like this, and they did not do it the way that you did it. Oh. Um, I think people hide crevices of uh, of their mental illness in, in different ways because they want to get to the meat of things. People mm-hmm. say things like, I, I want to kill myself or I don't want to live anymore. Mm-hmm. But people are not talking about those moments that are happening right there, which was like you saying, that van across the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, most of the time we hear these moments, people talk about it, number one, in the past tense. And mm-hmm. number two, and that's, I'm sure that some of that is to help the audience yeah. feel better. Like, I don't feel that way now. Calm down. It's right, going to be okay. Right. Uh-huh. Um but yeah, it was just hard hitting. I've never, I've never experienced anything like it, oh, honestly. Wow. So mm-hmm. thank you for oh, doing it. I mean, I don't have, I don't have those things to relate to. But Jesus, it really gives somebody a point of reference mm-hmm. to, you know, people always say you don't, you never know what somebody is going through. Right. But when something, like, when what somebody, somebody is going through is like in your face like that, and it's so. Mm-hmm raw and very very honest mm-hmm. you're like oh shit I really don't know what's <laughs> going on I would have never I never would have guessed any of those things mm-hmm. just because of how sweet and amazing you are all the time <laughs> wow. um, I never I've never once looked at you and been like that's a girl that does not like herself <laughs> I've never I've never felt like that uh-huh. um, so it's so funny to be like, for you to be like at the core of a lot of things you've said, 
Mm-hmm. I hate myself. I hate myself. That's, you know, that's what I was going through. Um, yeah. I hated myself. I hated myself. And I was just like, it could have fooled anybody because I had no idea. Um, mm-hmm. Usually we have a segment called the takeaway. Uh-huh. So if you have any advice for artists or mm-hmm. people dealing with mental illness, um, you can give them the takeaway. Or the takeaway can also be um, something to inform society on mm-hmm. how to stop a problematic behavior or how to stop um, treating people with mental illness or artists. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can do both. So it's really up to you. Okay, so one thing, I feel like it's so, it's better now. Like, people are talking about their mental illness, but not about the severe ones. I mean, it's good that they're talking about depression and self-harm. That's great. But I feel like, I feel like the people, like, severe mental illnesses, like mine, psychosis, I feel like this should be more conversation. I don't want people to hide what's going on because you like you said it could get a lot worse like the mm-hmm. bottling in and like that's what happened with me i didn't talk about wanting to see a psychiatrist until i had a delusion mm-hmm. and was crying uncontrollably and like so i want people to feel like whatever issue you're going through don't minimize it when you minimize it it's really it could turn into a catastrophe mm-hmm. like I did. Like, I didn't see myself clearly. So, like, I feel like people should, like, go to seek, especially in college, my mental health is so bad. And, like, people aren't taking care of themselves. They're not sleeping or eating right. I know I didn't. Um, I, <laughs> the only time in my life, the best, when I t- really took care of myself was it was in the hospital, not worrying about um, schoolwork or, f- like, keeping up relationships i ate right i slept right i since then i haven't gone back into that which is so weird but um i guess <laughs> like i should do that now yeah have the takeaway is yeah. i'm gonna eat better yeah. and sleep better <laughs> sorry go ahead yeah but it's just like um yeah i feel like they should counseling services are usually free at colleges so they should take advantage of it if they think they're struggling with schoolwork they should go up to their professor and ask for help or like ask for an extension like really be vocal about their what's going on otherwise they're gonna suffer needlessly like counseling is free usually and like they should go to them and like they'll help you out and, and i'm like really relieved that i was able to have an outlet even though with them talking with them even though it was like a very short while it was, it was like they told me like oh cry as long as you want to or like stay in the room you don't have to go anywhere else just talk to us and it was really nice and kind of them to listen to me and that's their job to help you and i feel like um yeah it's like really cathartic for me to like write and speak out and like on the stage and stuff so maybe I'll help others too. Even if it's just like simply writing in a notebook, you don't have to share it. I understand there's like privacy concerns and you don't want to risk anything. Um, but it's just like, it's. I think it's really good to like um, talk about it, even if it's just in your journal. Um, and I feel like people should be kinder because you really don't know. Like you were mentioning you had no idea that was going on with me or that was in my past nope. at all. Not at all. Yeah, a lot of people were surprised when I went to when I left school so suddenly. My life was good. I had problems and issues, of course, but it was like I was largely loved. I was largely supported and cared for. I'm a good person. I finally realized that, and it's just like people care more than you think. At least in my case, I feel like that's true for everyone, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So 
something. I, I mean, I think, yeah, I think people have to remind themselves of that a lot, too. Mm -hmm. I think, especially when you're going through depression, mm -hmm. it's a, and I guess that's like the first step of many other steps of like going into right. different um, negative phases of mental illness. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think the first one is very largely like, cutting people off because you don't think anybody's going to notice anyway. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. but yeah. Um, anything else? I think that's it. Okay. Do yeah. you have any other projects coming up? Um, <laughs> so I actually vend for uh, Asian American Literary Review. Actually, my, so I, they had this Kickstarter where they promoted uh, an, a mental health issue, a special issue on Asian, on Asian American mental health. And they saw how vocal I was on Facebook and sharing and like commenting. They asked me to be their events coordinator. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like vending at um, Punk Island. It's a free all ages punk um, punk show. And I'm be vending at Randall's Island on the 22nd. I don't know if this comes out. The 22nd of June? Yeah, June. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it might. It's That's okay. this Saturday. I have, I have to look. Thank you so much for listening to Artist Gripes. I'd like to thank Eileen Ramos for sharing her experiences with us. Eileen's performance and written works are usually presented with the purpose of breaking barriers of silence around mental health, especially for women of color and more specifically for Asian American women. You can catch her all around New York and New Jersey performing, so keep an eye and ear out for her. Pre-show and post-show were written by me, Amanda, and the theme song was composed by Julian Gordon. Artist Gripes is a no-peaking production, and we have actually extended the deadline for our Indiegogo campaign, so if you haven't donated, please consider helping us out with our goals by clicking the links in our bios on Facebook or Instagram, or you can visit our website, nopeakingtheater.com. Bye!